Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience. This episode is brought to you by the Still Believe app. This was an app that I created a couple years back. It started as a a website called uh, Santa Caught on Tape, and this app uh, creates HD videos of your favorite holiday characters in your home. You simply take a picture on your smartphone and we create the magic. We show your kids that you caught Santa Claus delivering presents on Christmas Eve in your home or the Tooth Fairy leaving money under their pillow. The app is available on the App Store and Google Play. It's free to download and then there are in-app purchases. We utilize award-winning TV and feature film animators that create the magic. And what's really cool about it is you're taking a picture inside your home and then we're compositing either Santa or Tooth Fairy directly on that picture and making it look like a video. So you could tell your kids that, you know, we're gonna we're gonna capture Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy, set the phone up, and then in the morning you can show them the magic. The video is delivered directly to your phone and then you could save it in your library and then show everybody. Uh, You can even uh, share it on Facebook and Instagram to show everyone that you caught the Tooth Fairy and uh, Santa Claus. So right now we have uh, the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus. Uh, Definitely check it out. It's a really cool app and you'll amaze your kids. And if you don't have kids... You can download it and um, do it for your nieces, your nephews, or your grandkids. So again, uh, it's the Still Believe app. You can find it on the Apple Store or Google Play, and it's stillbelieve.co. Okay, thanks, and hope you enjoy another episode of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. Did you stay late, Bob? Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. clipping his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Hey, everybody, this is Maddie K. And John. And um, it is uh, September 14th, is that correct? Or the 15th? I believe it's the 15th. The 15th, yes. And um, just to give a little historical background for people who are listening, maybe 100 years from now, there's a hurricane going on right now in the Carolinas. Um, Donald Trump's president, uh, Paul Manafort, uh, flipped. Or is it in the process of flipping? I think it's the process. <laughs> this Paul you're, Manafort. You're, uh, you're, you're bringing up all the nice, cheery uh, bits of uh, information. <laughs> um, well, okay, something cheery. We did talk about Pauly Shore yesterday. <laughs> he was pretty cheery back in the day, the weasel. Uh, <laughs> Paul Manafort, he, doesn't he... He sort of embodies for me... It, it's amazing to like look at one man... 
Like we we were just talking about Corey Lewandowski, who um, John and I before we started the podcast were talking about private prisons, and and the reason we started talking about that because one of uh, sort of a guilty pleasure. It's definitely guilty. I don't even know if I call it a pleasure, but prison shows seem to be very popular, like documentary type shows on. There's like lockdown, there's lockup, there's like prison life, there's uh, National Geographic does something called hard time, there's locked up abroad. Like there's a real, I guess I'm not the only one, there's a real fascination with this genre. Well, I think it, I think it comes down to, you know, it makes people in, in a sick way feel better about themselves. At least I'm not in jail. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like, look, I'm, I'm going off to this crap job. Yeah. My wife hates me. Right. My kids kick me in the shins every time I leave in the morning. Right. But at least I'm not <laughs> in a max security prison. However, however, I'm remembering, and we, you sent me this article a while ago, and I don't think we ever really discussed it, but we should more in depth when we have it in front of us. But I think it was Korea. You could check yourself into prison. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, talk about things being turned on their heads, you know? I mean, Listen, you know, if, if, things are, if, th- if things are that bad at the office, you got yeah. to check into prison for a week. Straighten things out. Well, one of the guys on the show, and I mean, it's tragic, you know, his life. He <clears throat> had a real, you know, drug problem and everything, and... The only time he was clean was when he was in jail and he would get, as he put it, three hots and a cot, you know, three hot meals. He had a place to live, had a place to shower, got clean clothes and like he would just keep going back because he said, I really can't deal with life on the outside. He was just, you know, he's a heroin addict and he said when he's in jail, he doesn't really crave drugs. He doesn't use drugs and they know him. He's pretty comfortable there. I mean, it's awful, but... I think for some people, yeah, it would be kind of like, wow, I don't have to pay taxes. I don't have to go to work. I don't have to, you know, (laughs) car payments, whatever. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and it's the, I I don't know what the figure it is, the cost to house a prisoner. uh, It's something like 80,000 a year. 60 or 70 grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were also talking about, you know, the, the, the move within the prison industry, quote unquote, um, how private prisons now are coming in and um, being subcontracted out by counties and cities and states, which is a um, which is a really scary proposition because their profit motive <laughs> is directly, you know, I, I mean, they're, they want more prisoners. They yes. want, and they want the prisoners to stay longer. So forget about rehabilitation or policies that would deter people from ending up in prison. And I think the, the U.S., we have the, mo- right, the most prisoners out of any country in the world by a pretty decent margin. Is that right? Certainly out of any, uh, quote-unquote, industrialized country and I think more than even some you know that are not industrialized yeah I think by a pretty good margin we 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 outpace China Russia 
And I, I don't know. It's always been like a massive contradiction in this country that no one can seem to resolve. Like it's one of the wealthiest. It is the wealthiest country on earth with the biggest prison population. Strange. You know, yeah, it's uh, the American criminal justice systems hold more than 2.3 million people in 1719 state prisons, 102 pr- federal prisons and, and not 901 juvenile correction facilities. And I think the vast majority of those are nonviolent drug offenses. Let's see the state. Um, well, in state prisons, there's 1.3 million of which. 704,000 are violent, 253,000 involve property, 208,000 is drugs, and 154,000 is public order. See, I thought most things were like nonviolent drug offenses, but not not according to that. I mean, federal prisons, um, out of the 197,000, 97,000 are drug offenses. Which I guess that's a decent amount. Well, and the thing is, you know, when you're, I mean, if you're arrested at the age of 18 or even younger in some states, like, that's kind of it. You know, you get uh, even, even a misdemeanor arrest. I mean, technically they don't, you know, you don't have to write that off on a, or you don't have to check that box on a job application, but. You know, if you commit a fairly serious crime and and you and a lot of it's very arbitrary, getting charged with a misdemeanor or a felony. But if you have a felony conviction at the age of nineteen, that uh, you're, is, you're, I yeah. mean, you can't get a job. I mean, it's it's a disaster. It's the, you can't um, vote. So I just came across this stat: half of the world's prison population of about nine million is held in the U.S. Jesus. Oh, uh, held in the U.S., China, or Russia. Prison rates in the U.S. are the world's highest at 724 people per 100,000. Yeah, you know, and it, it's interesting that people debate, you know, uh, crime and what we should do with people and such and so forth. But I guess because it's a more complicated answer is like, why? Like, even if you say all of these people deserve to be in jail, why in the wealthiest country on Earth, and some say in the history of the planet, does that happen? Like, why is there so much crime? Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Michael Moore, but in Bowling for Columbine, you know, he kept trying to get to the simple answer or, or raise the simple question of, like, not gun rights and this and that and that endless debate, but, like, why are there so many violent gun deaths in this country? Like, that's the question that people really don't answer. Like, Let's put all the other arguments aside and say, okay, why does it keep happening so much in this country? Like, what's the problem? And nobody really has an answer for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the gun issue is it's not it's not black and white. Um, I mean, I think that certainly it would help if you could press a button and all the guns in America would disappear. Um you know, even if you made guns illegal, there would still there would still be illegal guns. I I, can't, I don't remember the statistic, but there's like three guns for every American or something. Some ridiculous amount of guns in the United States. Um, but there's also with a lot of these shootings is um, you know there's there's mental health issues and how we deal with people with with mental health and you know with the institutions and. You know, they're, they're basically stigmatized. 
And then also too, the fact that pharmaceutical drugs play in part um, of suicidal thoughts and, you know, the drug cocktails, these, these gunmen <clears throat> and, and mo- most invariably it's men, not women. And that's another thing, right? <laughs> um, so I, I don't, I, I don't think it is black and white. And this is coming from someone, I don't own a gun. I, you know, I don't, I really, I have no need for a gun. Um, but, you know, to, um, you know, to make guns illegal. And, and I know there's the example of Australia where they had a horrific mass shooting and they made guns illegal. Uh, and now there are no mass shootings, um, which, you know, which I think in the U.S. would be impossible literally impossible on the left or the right to get through the Congress or the Senate to actually make guns illegal. There, there'd be revolts in the streets. Yeah. Anyway, um, just going back to the prison thing and, and tying this into the, the working experience is with the private prisons and also with just kind of the guard union in general, they'll lobby the government to... Um, like make sure that marijuana does not become legal because that will directly affect how many inmates come into the system and it's quote unquote bad for their jobs and bad for business, which is just in my mind, unbelievable that 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 exists. Yeah. When someone, you know, uses the justification for anything of, well, you know, I'm going to lose my job. If It's like, well, look, I mean, it, a job can't exist just because you need a job. I mean, I, I think everybody is entitled to work. But, you know, if someone is lobbying because they really think marijuana is a terrible thing and it, it is bad for society... I, I can understand those arguments and they really feel morally opposed to making it legal. You know, I can understand that. But when people are lobbying, I mean, they don't care about society. They don't care about rates of addiction or anything like that. They want to make money. And it's like, don't couch this in some moral argument. You want to make money. Well, it it, it all comes down to money. And the, and the fact that, you know, the fact that marijuana is illegal, you got to look back on history. It was Hearst with with papers who, you know, Hemp was going to, he owned a a, a ton of newspapers and Hemp was, you know, a stronger, better material. And it was, it was just a business decision. So he would leak stories in the press that, you know, marijuana, uh, you know, uh, given to Mexicans and blacks were going to rape white women. (laughs) <laughs> and, and these horror stories went out, so they made marijuana illegal. It all, it all goes back to Hearst. Yeah, I know. And so, so it just sounds so ridiculous. It's like, yeah, it, right. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And then if you look at, you know, overdoses and deaths attributed to marijuana, it's non-existent. Well, what about alcohol? Right, right. and all I the mean, social alcohol problems. Alcohol is possibly the worst drug. What about opioids? What about pharmaceutical drugs? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's we or, or the government allows certain drugs to exist for profit motives. 
And now you see states, you know, like Colorado, for example, that see the benefit of legalizing marijuana and, and, you know, and the country of Canada because of the tax revenues it generates. And this is, you know, it's, I think it's, it's still a schedule one drug uh, for, you know, in the, for federally, yeah. but yeah. in Colorado, uh, you know, it's legal. Um, I mean, you can't, you can't take it across state lines and all that other stuff. But I, I don't know the numbers, but they're generating hundreds of millions of dollars in tax revenue. And, you know, you're not gonna, you know, and then there's, there's also, you know, is marijuana addicting? Is it not addicting? Look, I think that if you're a grown adult, you know, you should be able to make that decision, um, you know, on your own accord. And markets that are open, um, they're legal. And, you know, they're free. There's more transparency. So, and it's more regulated. And you want, you know, you want, you know, the, the water that you drink, you know, outside of like Flint, Michigan, you want that regulated so you don't kill yourself. So you're not poisoning yourself, right? Right. So just like with alcohol, you know, it's a regulated market. And you know, when you get a pint of, of vodka, it's 80 proof. It's not going to be 160 proof, right? And it's not going to be laced with PCP, <laughs> right. right? God with willing. Marijuana in the illegal market is you could take an edible, and you know the milligrams could be off. Who who knows how's it made? Maybe it was tainted with something, and all of a sudden you think you're dying. It's actually if you Google like 911 calls, edible 911 calls. It's hilarious because people actually think they're dying because they took too much. <laughs> Do you there was a guy, uh, John and I went to a uh, university in the Bronx, and I gotta say the the juxtaposition of the university population versus the neighborhood we were in was pretty striking. Uh, you know, a pretty impoverished area, a lot of very entitled, university students and then we're sort of run amok in this neighborhood which a lot of times we had no business being in um and i think probably the local population didn't appreciate it that much but we used to to laugh about what we would call the fordham road crack weed because these <laughs> places these like beauty supply stores um i guess you would i mean this wasn't really my scene but like you would you would get a card somehow. Like I knew someone who had a card and apparently you would go in and show it to them. And then you would, you would buy, you know, bags of marijuana over the counter. They would sell them. Like it was a, it was a store, but that's how you bought it. Very shady. Very shady. These places were all over the place. Like you'd see like these small stores, you call them bodegas and they'd have like, Jars of baby food that were obviously 30 years old. And they'd have, like, just crap on the shelves. And then they'd have, like, 40s of, you know, they'd have beer and whatnot. And I'd wonder, like, how does this place stay in business? Like, there's five of these places on the same block. Well, I guess it's because they have another business going on. But I remember a guy... uh, I'm not going to name anybody. You probably kind of knew them... Um, they lived off campus and they were telling me like, you know, they went out to, and they bought weed in the neighborhood and they, they came back and one of them ended up in the hospital and they did a, yeah, it's no joke. I mean, you can get a really, uh, 
you know, a, a really bad mix. You don't even know what they're, you know, what these guys are are mixing this stuff with. There was, they did a talk screen on on the guy who went to the hospital. There was PCP, oh. uh, methamphetamine, I think. Oh. There were two substances and then an unidentified substance. So they don't even know what it is, like raid oh. or something. And this is supposed to be marijuana. I mean, you're not supposed to end up in the hospital, you know, and it's just, you know, what does. And the, and, the, and the crazy thing is, is by, you know, by making it illegal, it's not like you're stopping it. No, no, you're no. Just, it's just a, a black mar- market bonanza for organized crime. Well, you know what really killed me was when Jeff Sessions, our uh, illustrious oh. attorney general, he actually said good people don't smoke marijuana. I'm like, do you seriously believe that? Like, do you really believe that? I mean, him and Pence, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, it, this is a, it's a comedy show. Like, if you were going to script people as like a farce comedy, you would script these two idiots. Well, it's almost too far. I mean, it's almost too much. Yeah, you're right. It's almost, it would be unbelievable. <laughs> right. Like you, would, Trump, you would watch it and right. be like, no way. Yeah, no, this is too far-fetched. <laughs> like, no, no one acts <laughs> like this. There they are. <laughs> TV. Well, uh, to, to just sort of bring it back to a name I'd mentioned since we got back on was uh, Corey Lewandowski, who um, I don't really know what his role is in the administration anymore. I, I don't think he has an official one, but he had something to do with the incarceration of, you know, kids were being taken from their parents when they came across the border. And he was on TV basically mocking you know, someone someone said to him, like, well, you know, the, this this six-year-old girl was taken away from her parents. And he starts mock crying, going, oh, boo-hoo. Oof. And it's like, you know, and then you find out he's got a lot of stock in the private prison industry, which is involved with the detention of, quote-unquote, illegal immigrants. And he's on TV mocking a six-year-old for being you know, upset. It's, it's the old saying, follow the money. Oh, you know? yeah. And it's just, it's just terrible. But as you were saying, we were talking about Paul Manafort, who's another one. Like, these people, it's like whack-a-mole. Like, <laughs> one goes down, another one's worse than the last one. And it's like, these people just go home and go to sleep and apparently think nothing of, of any of this. Like, it doesn't, it's no, fine. I don't think it bothers them in the slightest. No, and, and just the opposite. I think that they're they think they're holding the torch. Yeah, well, I think Corey Lewandowski takes a lot of joy in this. Like he really strikes me as a very dark, perverted individual who takes pleasure in other people's pain. Like well, there's um there's a new documentary out on uh, Trump's uh, relations with Russia. Um, what's it called? It's on, it's, it's on iTunes right now. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. But that, I, that's, that's on my... I want to watch that because it, it goes into the, the murky dealings of the Trump organization with Russia dating back to the mid-80s. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. It must be so entrenched. You know what I love is that we've, we have a president who has had to flatly deny that he urinated on Russian hookers. <laughs> <laughs> Like that—that's how low the bars got. Does it get lower than that? I—I I don't know. I don't know where and, you go. And 
And even better is the majority of the, the public don't believe him. No, no, I, I, no. I mean, just think about that. First, you have to deny it and then be like, oh, that's, that seems a little bit ridiculous. But you're like, Trump? Yeah, no. no. I, I, I could see that happening. I, I would I would opine that uh you know maybe a Russian hooker died during some that would not shock me at all like it really it really wouldn't shock and you know to his base you know if they found that out that he was involved in something like that I really don't think it would matter to them eh, whatever you know it's Trump will be Trump. no they they they're drinking the Kool Aid <laughs> big time um so we were gonna get back to now that we've uh worked our way through politics uh we were talking last podcast there's a lot of these these are um professions that are vanishing that they really don't oh just just uh, sorry just to cut you off it's active measures that's the documentary trump and the russian mob sorry go ahead no you know what's a good one too you just reminded me um there's a documentary called the house i live in which uh is about the war on drugs and David Simon, who was a crime reporter in Baltimore. And then he did the wire. He wrote that. Yeah. Um, he's, I don't know if it's his documentary, but he's in it quite a bit. And he has a lot of very, uh, you know, kind of disturbing and, and, uh, interesting things to say about it. Um, so we talked about middle managers, which uh, are kind of being done away with. Although I don't know how much I believe that because uh, this country seems to be founded on middle managers. Uh, <laughs> and you you always have. Although, you know what's funny is when I was I was trying to deal with something with my health insurance, and you know I'm on the phone with the person and I'm saying, okay, well this plan that it was when we started a new program, and the guy must have said to me, I don't know, maybe three or four times. Yeah, well, you know, you can always go to the website and and do this. And I'm like, well, I'm talking to you. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to. I mean, I think he's probably required to tell me that because they want to get rid of him. They don't want to pay right. him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got a voice from a script that's going to get rid of his job. Yeah, that, that's got to be a, a high point of your life right, right. there. <laughs> right. You're basically telling the customer, be like, look. I'm useless right now. All the <laughs> right. information's on the website. <laughs> right. So I have to tell you to go to the website. Right. And I have since gone to the website and it's nearly incomprehensible. Like whatever I did, didn't I submitted, it didn't submit. So it's like, you know, can I just talk to a human being for crying out loud? No. No. <laughs> Forget that. Uh, this one was interesting. Casino cashiers. Casinos are increasingly turning to automated machines to reduce labor costs. Huh. I did not... I don't know... What do they mean? Casinos are automated... Meaning the man or woman in the casino cage is going away... Is going the way of one-armed bandit-style slot machines. I'm not really sure what that means. I don't know if those are the people that cash you out. Or, I don't know, maybe they're going to like a... Maybe like an ATM sort of idea. Casinos. IT guys, the IT professionals who patrol your office are becoming less and less relevant in today's workforce. You know, I I like the IT guys where we are, but it does seem like whenever they do something, I have to like then address some other issue. Like now I can't find something on my computer and 
Uh, <laughs> but I gotta say they're they're pretty good. I have occasionally been confronted by an IT guy who's like, I don't know. Do we just? It's a certain mentality sometimes that is a little difficult to deal with. Um, let's see. Financial planners. Tasks once performed by low-level retail financial planners are quickly being outsourced. Uh, planning software, apps, robo-advisors, investing algorithms. I guess people kind of feel like they can sort of day trade, you know, online and do it themselves. But I don't know. that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more of like people... I mean, like, if you look at the, if the, you look at the stats, like, you know, 85% of mutual fund managers and like 90% of hedge fund managers don't beat the market. So, um, um, the, you know, so most people now will do like index funds or, uh, or the like, and just not have management. Because what it is, is the fees will basically destroy your returns over time. Oh. I don't think it's mo- I don't think it's mostly day traders. Oh, I, I do still deal with a, a company that handles my stuff. But I mean, I'm not going to sit around doing the research and all that. They seem to have done pretty well. So, um, Postal workers, automated sorting systems, cluster mailboxes, and tight budgets will adversely affect employment. The Bureau of Labor Statistics predicts the number of postal workers, including mail carriers and clerks, will drop by 28% by 2026. That is interesting. I did not know that. Although, the, the main post office up here always has a banner out that they're looking for people. I'd sort of consider doing that, just being a mail carrier. You don't have to think about too much, you know. Just walk around, <laughs> put mail in people's mailboxes, you know. It's pretty good. I have a problem with that. Uh, photo processor, digital photography. You know, it's funny. Um, we were ta- When I, I uh, did a short film this summer and, you know, these guys shooting it are all either 30 or maybe 33 at the oldest. I think the DP's 27. And we were joking about, you know, he had a focus puller with the wireless, you know, and I was remembering the whip. Remember the whip? It's The whip is, yeah. um, on the old cameras, it was like a, it had a, a flexible thing, this is just for our listeners, and it attached to the camera and the, the, the assistant camera person would, what they call pull focus, and they would, it was a physical mechanism that they turned. And they were kind of laughing about that, these younger guys. Because, like, you know, they used to have um, loaders. And, I mean, people who literally, who physically loaded the film into the magazines. And that was a real skill that not everybody can do. I, I've tried it. I couldn't do it. But that's gone. Like, that whole profession or that whole position in the film industry is done. Well, now, well, now it's all, you know, it's digital and... You know, that stuff, that stuff is just gone. Yeah. Um, data entry clerks. You know, it's funny, just uh, just this morning I was submitting a, a short story to a bunch of places. And when I did this, you know, 20 years ago, I, I had stacks of envelopes and, um, you know, I'd print things out and I'd, you know, get them all, all together. I'd bring them up to the 
to the post office and they would send them out. And now, mo- not all of them, but most of them are done online, which I honestly, <laughs> I know it saves money and it saves time and it saves paper, but there is something not as satisfying to me as like putting the story into, you know, having it on paper, putting it into an envelope, having the stamp on it. Because I feel like with these email submissions, they just get like lost in the ether. Like I have no idea if anybody looks at these or, I mean, obviously an envelope can get tossed in the garbage, but there's something not quite as satisfying like about doing it like that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, uh, you're right. It could, I mean, it could be labeled as spam. No one sees it. Or yeah. There's just so yeah. many submissions. Well, the other, th- the reason I thought of it is because, you know, with shooting movies these days, I mean, anybody with an iPhone or any kind of smartphone can shoot a movie and you have YouTube and you have such a glut and most of it is garbage. But the problem is it it's so hard to get. And obviously you and I have been struggling with this for three years now. It's like, how to get noticed, like how to like you get people to see your stuff, which hopefully is a little better than, you know, all the other junk. Yeah, that that is the problem. This is a sheer magnitude of content. Yeah, and I know they oh and that's that spawned a whole industry as well. I, I mean, you were more clued into it than I am, but of people who just comb through social media, YouTube and all just looking for people to you know, which is kind of comforting, I guess, in a way. Um, let's see. Farmers and ranchers. Farmers are getting more efficient, replacing workers with machinery and getting bigger yields and out of smaller plots of land. I mean, I guess that's been going on for, you know, probably centuries by now. Fast food cook. Fast food is increasingly becoming an automated industry. Yeah, I, I read an article about that. Yeah. Well, isn't that the whole point? I mean, the whole point of it was to get rid of, you know, you could just push a button. I think McDonald's was designed, maybe not the original concept, but it became like for people who were functionally illiterate could still do this job. You just had to push buttons and that was it. Um, Newspaper reporter. That one's been pretty, uh, pretty evident. Yeah. Yeah. That's a rough gig. Jeweler. More and more jewelry is being produced overseas with fewer jewelers working in the United States. Yeah. Textile. Yeah. That, it, I mean, I guess I would say it makes sense, but I've never given it any thought. Um, let's see. <laughs> you remember, this is the neighborhood we went to uh, uh, college in. They would have those gold stores. Remember those oh, places? Yes, yes. That was such an eye-opening because we were uh, last time—not the last time I was in New York. The time before that, when I had dinner with Tony and Tom, and you were going to come, but I, I think your son had an equestrian tournament. Right, right. We were talking about that, and the thing that came up were one was the giant gold Jesus with the crown of thorns and everything. I mean, it was like elaborate and the other one was the gold Uzi you could buy. <laughs> and people would wear them people would actually wear them the gold, the gold Uzi yeah and uh 
We were talking about those sweatshirts that people would wear. It would be like, don't ask me for shit. <laughs> like, why would you put that on and go wear it's just it? It's a nice, like, open arm hug yeah. to a stranger. I remember this don't guy. Don't ask me for shit. Yeah, just, just putting it on, going out, you know, shopping, whatever, going out to eat with the family. This guy, I remember uh, when I lived in Brooklyn, I lived on Flatbush Ave, and I was walking back to my apartment and he's wearing this t-shirt that basically spells out not basically it literally spelled out go fuck yourself <laughs> but it was missing the vowel it was like a, it was a parody of um what's that game show with pat sajak uh oh uh White. real fortune yeah it was a parody of that and underneath it, it said go choose a vowel like the vowels were missing from it i'm like why did you, what was your thought process when you put that on this morning, you know? Ugh. Uh, furniture finisher. This is a really depressing one because it's like, it is now often cheaper to replace than it is to repair a broken chair or table. Like that, yeah, that is. You know, that's the case though with electronics. And everything. Stuff. I mean, you know, it's, but they're also like. They are uh, like my cousin makes custom furniture. Oh, so there, so there's like, and, and those like that are like that like farm like rustic look is really in right now, and he's doing well. He's up in Vermont. Yeah, yeah, I I know. It just like I don't know where all these electronics go. Like all the old phones, the old laptop. I'm I have three old laptops sitting in the closet upstairs yeah i have a bunch of old phones and laptops too i know computers. and it's like what do you do with this stuff I, you can't you can't like throw it out you got to go to like a special i know like the mercury will like yeah leak into the water and you can't just toss it uh door-to-door salespeople. that's what i've really i've wanted to do that uh, <laughs> <laughs> knocking on the old doors oh god <laughs> Getting the old foot in the door. I uh, see. I like to get in there and shoulder my way in. Yeah, so. the door the door opens and then immediately closes, and you get your your toe or your finger in there. <laughs> see, I want to be in someone's living room, dumping a bag of dirt on the carpet and then vacuuming it. Up. Uh, you know what? Actually, funny is to to have people do that. To go door to door and sell like encyclopedias or just something ridiculous. Yeah. And just yeah. get yeah. people's reactions. Right. Like sell like portable DVD players. You know? <laughs> 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 Be like, yo, listen, look, you can watch a movie, right? Sony Walkmans <laughs> from like the 1990s. Right. <laughs> right. Like somehow you stumbled across a warehouse full of these things. <laughs> and you're like, listen, wrap your head around this. You're on a bus, right? right? And you can watch a movie, <laughs> right? And you're... <laughs> Your your boss has told you that you, can, you cannot take no for an answer. No way, no way. See, and that's you what will I will not leave that. No, <laughs> no. See, until you make a sale. That's when I slide into look. I'm gonna. I got to level with you. I have mortgage payments. <laughs> I am swimming in debt. 
My wife is going to kick me out of the house. My kids already hate me. Can you please buy one of these? Please. Can you do me a favor? Listen, I don't care. I know it's a piece of junk. I'm just, I'm I'm up to my, I'm serious. My next move is debtor's prison. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. People are nipping at my heels. Oh, man. And then just ask to borrow money. Could I borrow like $100? Seriously? Oh, that would be so funny. That would be so funny. Uh, okay. hardest. Anyway, um, so, all right. The next one is print binding and finishing workers. A bind um, books. books. No yeah, one I reads. I don't even know how this is still a job. Um, no one reads books anymore. It's really uh, detective. That's kind of interesting. Uh, that yeah. surveillance camera spyware and yeah. DNA data banks. I don't. Do they mean soft drives? Do they mean private detective or do they mean like a cop? I think they mean a cop. Yeah, maybe so. Traditional gumshoe detective depicted for generations. Uh, you know, it's funny, though. With all of this stuff, you you still, I feel like, you know, you need a human eyeball with some human judgment. Yeah, I agree. On these agree. things. Architect. That's interesting. They just don't really. Yeah, I guess you just, it demands so much college that people aren't seeing that much of a return on it. Uh, primary care physicians. I mean, I guess a lot of medical stuff is just being outsourced, cheap. In, well, I know like with like diabetes testing, you can just do all that stuff at home now. You don't have to go to a doc. I mean, you may have to go to a doctor like once a year just to check up on it. But Yeah, I think that combined with the fact that, you know, primary care physicians don't make a ton of money. Right. Uh, and, right. and technology can di- diagnose most stuff. You're getting more like, you know, specialties and niche stuff from doctors, so... Well, I, mean, I don't think this is going to go away. No. Uh, and, and it all depends on like, you know, it's healthcare in general and how things are compensated, your insurance companies. This one is like, this is a big hornet's nest of ifs if that goes away. Yeah, true enough. Well, I, I can sympathize with the, you know, going to college five or six years because to be an architect, because I know that's always been a big complaint in the education field. Like they want, everybody's required to have a master's degree. And then it's sort of like, okay, but you're not really paying a whole, like I paid a lot of money to get my master's degree and it's not like they're starting teachers at 80 grand a year, you know? I mean, to be fair, you can do pretty well after a lot of years, after like 15, 20 years, but you know, to shell out all that money in that time. And then it's like, nobody wants to pay you. And it's like, all right, well, <laughs> you can see why people don't get into the profession that much. Um, all right. So we're, we're coming on about 40 minutes. So maybe we should, uh, we should wrap this baby up. All right. Yeah, that sounds good. We can wrap it up. Um, so thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsor, the Still Believe app, which creates HD videos of your favorite holiday characters in your home. Simply take a picture on your phone, and they create the magic. We have Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy. Definitely check it out on stillbelieve.co. It's also available on the App Store and Google Play. Okay, thanks, everyone.